Doesn't he deserve our love because of who he is and what he's done for us? Are the trinkets and toys of life so important we have no time for him? The most important part of your life is the part that only God sees, that private time when you're alone with the Lord. Now, if you have been neglecting that time, get back to it. If you've been skimping on it, get back to where it ought to be. Today on the Songtime broadcast, the late great Dr. Warren Wiersbe uses the story of Mary and Martha to demonstrate to us why we need to spend time daily at the feet of Jesus so we might learn from him and our hearts might grow in our love and affection and worship of our Savior. Stay tuned for that message, but first we're joined once again as we're talking with Melissa Zaldivar about her book on grief. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. All week long, we've been joined by Melissa Zaldivar, who's an author of a new book called What Cannot Be Lost, How Jesus Holds Us Together When Life is Falling Apart. She writes from her own heart and her own experience. The book reads more like a journal and a little bit like a novel than it does like an instruction manual. But I think that that is important when addressing an issue that is so close to home and so close to so many of you, our listeners, experiences in life as you have suffered grief and loss, and this feeling like your world is falling apart. Melissa, to any of our listeners who are struggling with this question, how is Jesus actually able to hold our world together? This is such an important part of their life, and it seems like the world is falling apart. How can they have that confidence that you exude in your book that really God is still at work, that Jesus is still in our midst, and he's holding us together? What sort of advice do you have for our listeners? I think that Jesus holds us together in ways we're aware of and not aware of. Mm -hmm. There are things that happen that we go, whoa, I didn't even know that was happening. I didn't know that person was praying for me. I didn't know that that individual um, was walking through a similar experience as me and we were going to meet up later and have that. You know, I think about the ways that God is preparing right now friendships that we haven't even met those people yet right? There is something, it's not like when we become friends with somebody or when we meet our spouse or whatever it is, like, it's not like there's no history there. They're doing something right now. I'm single. If I ever get married, it's not like he doesn't exist right now. He's at work or he's walking through a season of looking for work. I don't know what he's experiencing, but there's something going on that I'm unaware of. And I think that that is so much of a posture that we have to hold is to say, Lord, there are things going on I do not understand and I do not know, but I'm going to trust that it exists. And sometimes we need to reach out to our friends and say, hey, I'm going to trust that this exists. Uh, I recently was talking to a friend who's walking through a heavy season who is not seeing the hope and the joy of life right now and is really struggling. And I just said, hey, I'm going to believe that it's going to happen for you because you can't believe that for yourself right now. Like I'm going to remember the faithfulness of Jesus and I want you to know that someone is remembering that for you. And while we can't do that spiritually, like it's not like my salvation will just like go to someone else or something like that. I think there's such an encouragement when someone is saying, hey, I'm going to be in the midst of this cheering for you and praying for you and interceding for you and kind of getting in the trenches. And I talk about that a little in the book, being willing to get into the trenches. And so when it comes time to um, walk out, whatever it is that we have, I think that spirit of 
Lord, you're doing something, even if I don't understand it, is sometimes what gives us sanity when we're walking through a heavy season. Uh, And also asking the Lord to show us in really small ways, I think can sometimes go a long way. Um, Something I regularly talk about, it's kind of a joke on social media, is the stink bug, the faithful little stink bug, which we have plenty of in New England. Um, During the lowest point in that season, I remember I was laying on my living room floor. It was really a high point for me. (laughs) I was laying on the living room floor and I said, Jesus, I just need to know I'm not alone because I feel like I'm completely alone. And right then I look up and a little stink bug was like walking across my kitchen floor. And I thought, well, at least I have a stink bug. And it became this sort of joke, right? That Jesus is always near like a stink bug in New England in the winter. Like there's always (laughs) one around. In fact, literally as we've been talking uh i looked over and there's just a stink bug walking around (laughs) my living room right now and it's this reminder right of the ever-present god that we serve uh and so i'd say asking the lord will you just show me that i'm not alone and it could be something as small as a stink bug but holding on to that and saying thank you jesus for showing me that means that every time i see a stink bug now i'm like Jesus is present. Jesus is present. Um, even when I don't see a stink bug. And so I think that that is something that's helpful is know that there are things that you don't see, but asking the Lord to have eyes to see what you can. I know for a lot of people who are dealing with loss or suffering grief, um, they can't resonate with the idea that, that, that they, that, uh, that their circumstances are going to work out in some grand fashion in the glory of God. But uh, we can be comforted in the fact that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and suffering has been a part of every one of their experiences. And uh, God has always been faithful in the end. We can learn from that. Uh, th- those who have gone before us in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God has always proven himself faithful. Yeah, absolutely. I think the faithfulness of God is something that is it has always happened and it continues to happen. I think that's the cool thing about it is every day, every moment that we continue on, his faithfulness is just getting more and more and more. Uh, and and it is infinite. And yet it's not the kind of thing that was like, whoa, God was really faithful back then. Like God mm-hmm. was really faithful to those people during Moses time. And that was it. It's like, no, it was during Moses time. And it was during the 1800s. And it's now and it's tomorrow, right? Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever as Hebrews tell us tells us. So it is a joy to think about the faithfulness of God is something that just keeps getting richer and richer and richer. And it does not dwindle. And one of the phrases I like to use is like, he does not stop. Like, he does not stop being good. He does not stop being kind. He does not stop being faithful. Um, And we have to stop a lot and we have to (laughs) collapse a lot. But there is a gift knowing that uh, we have a God who is just faithful and he just keeps getting more so. We've been talking with Melissa Zaldivar about her book. It's called What Cannot Be Lost, How Jesus Holds Us Together when life is falling apart. And and obviously, this is a great book. We would love to uh, help you find more information about it by giving us a call, 508-362-7070. But Melissa, this is something I don't think I've ever been able to tell our listeners, but maybe some of our listeners here in New England could actually meet you and and come to one of your tours. So if somebody wanted to actually uh, visit uh, Concord, Massachusetts, tell them a little bit about how they might be able to join in on one of your tours of uh, Louisa May Alcott. Yeah, absolutely. So you can come to Alcott's uh, Orchard House 
We are open almost every single day of the year. We're only closed a couple of holidays. And you can find us online um, if you just look up Orchard House, Concord, Massachusetts. It's there. But if you wanted to have specifically a tour with me, the easiest way to get in touch is probably Instagram or my website. So my website is just melissazaldivar.com. Uh, and I'm sure that that will be made available through promo, how to spell my weird last name. Uh, and then also Instagram, shoot me a DM, say, Hey, I'm coming to orchard house or when can I come? And, um, we can find a time to do that. Cause I love doing tours, uh, with people who I have a connection with. It just makes it a little bit more fun. Well, that's such a unique thing. I don't think I've ever been able to uh, let people know that they could actually meet you in person, meet the person we've been talking to. It's a real privilege. Thank you once again for this book and for taking the time to join us and being a part of the many voices for that one message. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, today we are moving on in our study of the Gospel of Luke with this message from Dr. Warren Wearsby. We're talking about the story of Mary and Martha. Mary, who found the better thing by sitting at the feet of Jesus. The text doesn't give us much more context than that, but we can infer into that that she is listening to Jesus, that she is taking in the message of the gospel, hearing the words of Jesus. But also, because we have another story from earlier on in in Luke chapter 7, where we saw a woman at the feet of Jesus washing his feet and and anointing his feet, that this is the proper place of showing appreciation to Jesus. And that, in fact, Mary is honoring Jesus by worshiping him and giving him her love, her affection, and her thanksgiving. Martha, on the other hand, finds herself busy and missing out on the opportunity. Like the feeding of the 5,000 where the people left their responsibilities and came to hear Jesus teach, Martha has stayed home. She's missing that opportunity to be a part of the ministry of Jesus. As well, she is is entitled. She feels like Jesus needs to acknowledge her work as though she had done something that was deserving deserving of her her approval. Uh, But the truth is, she needed the work of Christ more than Christ needed the work from her. This is the message of the gospel and is what we unpack today as we continue our study with the late great Dr. Warren Wiersbe in Luke chapter 10. Never does a person have more power, more potential, more value than when he's at the feet of Jesus. There's a third reason. Not only because of what it means to you and because of what it means to others, but we need to spend time each day with the Lord because of what it means to Christ. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ deserves our love, and He desires our love, and He delights in our love. You say, but I want to give Him my service. First, give Him your love. But I want to give Him my gifts. Fine. First, give Him your love. What would you think of a child who was always receiving father's gifts but had no time for father's love? What would you think of a wife who was grateful for the paycheck but not grateful for the husband? Oh, how easy it is for us to get just like Martha. Martha opened the door and received him into her home and then she neglected him. How about that? said, Lord, come on in. You did that once. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. I will sup with him and he with me. And you said, Lord, come on in. And he came in and he saved you. And from then on, you've neglected him. Martha got real busy doing things for him, but he doesn't want us to do things for him. He wants us to do things with him. 
I know you've heard the story about the little girl who determined to make a Christmas present for her father. And he'd come home from work and say, Honey, where are you? And she wouldn't be available. And she'd just give him a quick kiss at night and vanish into her room. Then Christmas came, and she came out with this wonderful gift she'd made for him. And he said, Well, honey, I really appreciate the gift, but I would much rather that you had spent the time with me. See, one day the gift falls apart, but that love that enriches us stays forever. And so we ought to spend time each day with the Lord because of what it means to Him. It meant something to Jesus when Mary came and sat at His feet and listened to Him and loved Him and worshipped Him. There's an interesting paragraph in one of those little books in the Old Testament that we avoid. It's the Song of Solomon. In the Song of Solomon, in chapter 5, we read this. Let me read it to you. The bride is speaking, and she says, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. You see, here is the, the bridegroom coming to the bride. Here is the lover coming to his beloved at the door. Now she answers him, I've put off my coat, how shall I put it on? I've washed my feet, how shall I defile them? We always have excuses why we can't spend time with the Lord. See what happens. My beloved put his hand to the latch of the door, and my heart was moved for him. She saw his hand, she saw his nail-pierced hand as he reached through to open the door. I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. All she got was the leftovers of the blessing. She didn't get the blesser. Why was he gone? Because love is a very sensitive thing. Because love says, I have come now, not later, now. And we make excuses. And you know what happens? We go looking for him, we don't find him. That's what happened here. My soul failed when he spoke. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. Have you ever had that experience? You're looking for Jesus to help you, but he's not there. You call upon Him, but He doesn't answer. You know why? When He called upon you, you didn't answer. When He wanted you, you weren't there. And if for no other reason, you and I ought to spend time every day with our Lord because of what it means to Him. Doesn't He deserve our love because of who He is and what He's done for us? Are the trinkets and toys of life so important we have no time for Him? The most important part of your life is the part that only God sees, that private time when you're alone with the Lord. Now, if you have been neglecting that time, get back to it. If you've been skimping on it, get back to where it ought to be. Because uh, of what it means to you, you'll never have the enrichment and the enablement for life without it. Because of what it means to others, Our families need it. Our unsaved friends need it. God can work through us to be a blessing to them. And because of what it means to the Lord, 
I wonder how many of us have been satisfied with getting a handful of fragrance. Mary wasn't satisfied with a handful of fragrance. I read in John chapter 12 that the fragrance filled the house. And that fragrance has been spilling out of that house and filling the whole world ever since she did that. Don't be satisfied with just a handful of fragrance. The Lord wants to spend time with you sitting at the feet of Jesus. Let's be like Mary. She found at his feet her blessing. And she brought to his feet her burden. And she gave at his feet her best. And because of this, God gave his best to her. Our Father, our hearts condemn us. Forgive us. Forgive us for violating that beautiful love. Forgive us for having priorities that have been twisted. Forgive us, O God, for substituting activity for ministry and doing for being. I pray for any of your children who have not been meeting with their Savior. Lord, may this be a new beginning for them. For some who have gotten careless, may this be a time of fresh beginning. For those here who don't know Jesus as their Savior and who need to come to his feet for salvation, help them to come. Oh, to think, Father, that we're going to have all eternity to fellowship with the Son of God, and yet we can begin that fellowship now. Make this very meaningful and real to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the themes here throughout all of these chapters leading up to uh, the triumphal entry and uh, the crucifixion and the empty tomb, one of the major themes that is being produced here is this idea of humility. Uh, in fact, our theme verse is Luke fourteen eleven, that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. We can see that same parallel here with Mary and Martha. Mary is a demonstration of humility. She is at the feet of Jesus. This is a demonstration of what we saw in chapter 7 of the woman who anointed the feet of Jesus. It is a humbling position, okay? This is a demonstration that she is at the feet of Jesus. She is a servant underneath Jesus, acknowledging him. He is her master. He is her Lord. And it's showing her love for him, but it's also showing her devotion to him. Where Martha, on the other hand, is busy. And when she comes to Jesus, she commands Jesus. She's, she's really attacking Jesus and saying, acknowledge me. Acknowledge the work that I've done and tell this girl, Mary, who seems to be your servant because she's put herself at your feet, and you're, she acknowledges you as an authority, tell her to come and, and serve with me. And this is where Martha demonstrates the one who is exalting herself. In fact, she is looking to get acknowledged for her works. She wants Jesus to acknowledge her good works and accept them as a gift. But the truth is, we all know in the, the sake of the gospel, is that no one is acknowledged for their good works. <laughs> That is not what gives us good standing before God. In fact, I was illustrating this point recently with a, a group of men in our men's Bible study at our church, and I said, what sort of grade curve do you expect to get when you stand before God someday? Imagine you're before the throne room, and how much Jesus do you actually need? And maybe you feel like you're pretty good. 
And if you were said, write down how many extra points you actually need on your grade curve to get a passing score, what would you write down? <laughs> like uh, 10 points, 20 points? You know, do you need to go from a D to a C, uh, a C to an A? I mean, how many points could you write down and say, this is how much Jesus I need, save the rest for the others? Because that's essentially what Martha is saying. She, she has her works. She wants her works to be accepted and acknowledged. And she wants Jesus to affirm her efforts. But the truth is, you can't just add a little bit of Jesus to your good works and expect to be accepted before God. No, you need all of Jesus. In fact, you need to get lost in Jesus. You need to be covered with Jesus. You need to be surrounded with Jesus. You need to be in Jesus to be presentable to the Father. Because even our good works, what does the Bible say? They're filthy rags. They don't measure up. They don't fix the problem that we have before God. It doesn't correct the sins that we've committed. In fact, another preacher once said, you know, if you run a red light, you don't stop at the green light to make up for the fact that you ran the red light. That doesn't fix the problem. You still broke the law. You're still guilty. It doesn't matter if you stop at a green light. It does not fix the problem. And this story, Martha is trying to show that her works are acceptable to God. But Jesus is saying that Mary has chosen the better place because Mary understands that she needs all of Jesus, where Martha thinks she can bring her works to the table. If you want to truly believe and trust in God, if you want to stand before the throne of God and you want to demonstrate your own works, I got a, I got a warning for you. It's not going to amount to anything. In fact, I can tell you, when you see John, the beloved disciple, who was the closest to Jesus in his ministry, he was called the beloved disciple. And when he goes to heaven in Revelation and he sees Jesus, he doesn't say, oh, hey, high five. It's been a long time. Give him a hug. No, what does John do when he sees Jesus? He falls on his face. Why? Because even John was unworthy of being before Jesus in glory. No, you're not going to stand there before God and demonstrate all of your good works like Martha did. In order to enter into heaven, you must be like Mary at the feet of Jesus and saying, I need all of Jesus to let me in. I hope that this has encouraged you today. And if it has, I hope that you'll let us know. Write to us at Songtime Radio, PO Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse. Hear the words of Jesus from Luke 14, 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. <laughs>